0: Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one out, touchdown. This time going deep for Beckham Jr., catch
2: it, he did hello everyone welcome back to road to overtime on road radio brought to you by the action network and blue wire my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland joined once again by sean siegel uh, as we get ready for the second show of the week if you didn't check out the first show of the week we talked through the top five rookie prospects for the 2021 season and we talked uh kind of plug one of sean's pieces and obviously sean did the first round on the website uh, very good accompanying company and podcast to to listen to if you have read the piece on the website or if you haven't done either now is the perfect time but on today's show we're going to look a little bit uh, back to kind of dynasty startup strategy and and some pillars for Superflex formats to, to build that juggernaut of a roster but uh looking forward to today's show if you haven't checked out the show earlier this week though i, w- I would highly recommend doing it we talked about the super bowl on uh, tuesday show we're not going to do that again we're not going to put ourselves through that pain today sean but uh, as we get ready for the true off season no games this sunday uh, what what are we looking forward to uh for the off season
1: Well, now that the games are all over and it's into 2021, it's time for Dynasty Startups. And I don't know about you, Colin, but I think that this is perhaps the most fun time of the fantasy season. Now, if you built Juggernaut through the off-season, if you're into the finals of your high stakes league, your uh, league with friends for bragging rights all year. If you've got a, a best ball team that needs to stay on top, if you have a dynasty that is about to put the final uh, pieces in place for a three-peat, then week 16, you know, may be the best week of the NFL season all year long. But I think that, closely in competition is this time period right now where we get to start working on the dynasty teams that we have we get to start dreaming about the new leagues that we want to participate in and we're thinking about those guys that can be the foundation pieces for our next dynasty this is a week where you can make predictions all you want you can't be wrong and everything is fresh and new i think it's maybe the most fun time of the year
2: yeah it's always good when we can make those predictions and we can't <laughs> we can't be wrong that's always a, a positive but one thing i noticed over the last couple of days uh, anyone i'm sure you've noticed the two sean is some of those leagues uh where you'll start to get those notifications popping up that uh you know team a has put such and such a player on the trade block or this player's been activated off ir and things like that and you start to see players you know moving around maybe getting cut that you know to activate somebody onto the roster and things like that so um you, I, i've noticed over the last uh, two days I and mean in particular a lot of those kind of roster move notifications coming through into my inbox so it gets exciting when you can kind of plan and this is the stage of the year a bit like when it comes to the nfl draft everyone's records the same everyone's oh and oh and you have that kind of, the hope is there, the hope is real that um, this is the year. Even if, you know, like you mentioned on the last show, if listening to this podcast has helped get that roster kind of from a point where it was a a struggling roster, where it was a, a losing roster, you know, season on season, and now we're into the stage where we're progressing strongly this this is the year for that roster to, to take that step forward with the rookies that we're going to be talking about with the veterans we're going to be talking about and and push it to, towards a successful 2021 season and hopefully end it all with a championship at the end so on today's show sean another piece that you hit up on the website um looking at Superflex uh, in particular and the the startup strategy and like i mentioned on the last show uh, if you are playing in a standard one quarterback league simple processes to kind of I, I know we're still going to have quarterbacks and one quarterback leagues but if we drop those out of the the overall ratings it gives you an idea of where we're placing these other players so you can always do it um both both ways but we've talked about this over the last couple of weeks yourself sean uh and, and sam wallace as well um and drafting the first two rounds and we're into round three now of the the dynasty super flex uh, i'll let you Uh, take it from here but is it a case that you want to give a quick recap of the the process for maybe some of the listeners who haven't checked in or, or how are we starting this one off
1: yeah well sam and i are involved in this pitch battle for dynasty supremacy in our dynasty draft off he gets a pick i get a pick we each have six teams we're trying to sort of best each other in terms of building not just the the best individual single team or make the best individual picks, but we're trying to build the best teams as we go through this exercise so that readers can see that you're not just drafting, say, strictly off of your rankings, right? You have to put a team together. You have to have some tactics for that because we need to have the right construction if we want to have a full team that's going to be competitive so it's been a fun exercise from that position and we went through the first round eight quarterbacks drafted again if you're just in a a normal league you're about to do a normal startup no problem at all just take those out and basically look at uh, each round as being sort of one earlier so we're gonna look at the third round today it's a little bit more like the second round of a normal dynasty startup and the questions here, Colin, that I think get to be very interesting are what do we do with some of these older running backs, guys who are still elite, who are going in the first round of classic redraft leagues in 2021. So we have the first round. In that round, you have to get your QBs. You have to have that foundation for your super flex team. In round two, it was very much these young wide receivers, right? We talk about how we have the running back dead zone for redraft. In Dynasty, we have running backs also being overvalued, especially in rookie drafts. Startups is a little bit different where these established young wide receivers really are the foundation pieces because they're going to allow you to have a star at that position, maybe even for a decade. You're hoping for a decade. Injuries can obviously take someone out on one individual play at any time. So we have round one, the QBs, round two, the young wide receivers with how good the 2019 and 2020 wide receiver classes ended up being. You have a lot of depth through that round. So now we're into round three, right? Do we go back to the well at wide receiver? What do we do with Travis Kelsey, who's the most unique talent in all of fantasy? And where do players like Derek Henry and Ezekiel Elliott start to go when we know that they could still be Key players, they could still play a role in winning your 2021 title, but running backs after the age of 25 have not been very successful in terms of maintaining their value. Fantasy owners are confronted with the same question that reality teams are confronted with: when you pay someone like a David Johnson, that comes back to haunt you quickly. When you pay a Todd Gurley, it comes back to haunt you. When you pay a Le'Veon Bell, then everybody gets fired, right? That's kind of the role that these veteran running backs play. In reality, we have to kind of make those same decisions in fantasy. Derrick Henry is starting to get a little bit older, but so hard to avoid because he was so good last season, even though he doesn't catch passes. And then Ezekiel Elliott, this question, right, where he was not particularly good this past season, but how much of that were nagging injuries to him? How much of that was the lack of Dak Prescott? Before Prescott was out, Elliott's volume, his expected points per game were through the roof. Right. So you're looking again at 2021 could be this massive bounce back season. If he falls too late in your dynasty startup, then you feel silly because you gave away this incredible value. So those are the questions that we have as we start into round three. Sam had the first pick. He went with DeAndre Swift. I really like that selection, even if maybe the Lions are less exciting now from a total point score perspective, and also a passing perspective one of the reasons why swift so popular the lions have said he's going to be used very heavily in the receiving game you know is that as, as exciting with jerry goff probably not at the same time goff did pepper todd Gurley with a lot of targets before Gurley had his collapse right so there's some potential there now with the 302 i selected calvin ridley Ridley a little bit older maybe than we would like for someone who has his number of years of experience as an nfl player McCollum. the resume here is really pretty extraordinary uh,
2: it's pretty extraordinary is a good way to put it in terms of what he's done um you know i have been a calvin ridley fan <laughs> from day one and uh you know in the draft process when we got to you kind know, of this stage uh entering his rookie year and he's just like come on leaps and bounds he's Basically, every time we talked about him possibly having a, a breakout or taking a step forward, he's done that or exceeded that, uh, and now he has placed himself in that area as one of the top wide receivers in the entire NFL. You know, it's co- there's, a, there's definitely a conversation to be had there between himself and Julio Jones as to who is the and, and I'm as big a Julio Jones fan of his career as anybody, but in terms of who is the the better wide receiver at this current point uh, on this roster. I think that he's he's just absolutely phenomenal. One area where I'm I'm very impressed of what he does is uh, the deep targets that he can catch. If we look at what he had, though, um, you know, he had 64 passes that traveled more than 15 yards. He did catch two uh, 32 of them, but there was quite a few of those that were you know throwaways. The one thing like that I noticed last year watching the Falcons is there was a lot a lot of yards left on the field by Matt Ryan in particular on routes that Ridley had beaten defenders or was wide open that uh, was overthrown, and you know that that kind of shows it there and he just looks uh, incredibly efficient in terms of those deep targets Uh, just Matt Ryan tended to be off a little bit more than we would expect him to be over the last couple of seasons he went over 800 yards on those deep passes alone um, and his depth of target is 14.3 average per target and a 25 percent target share um, of air yards so just phenomenal stuff from him the interesting thing a lot of the time sean we look at past location uh through the through the website we're looking at how these you know targets and receptions are split split by uh position and a lot of the guys you'll see are much more efficient uh, within five yards of the line of scrimmage it's actually you know the opposite for ridley between five to 14 yards is kind of you know light green to you know orange and it's all red with five yards apart from on the the right side But when we get to that 15 yards plus uh, right or left it doesn't really matter uh really really uh, efficient in both of those areas so I, i'm just super impressed i know you mentioned he's a little bit older but when we look at some of the other guys going in this area um you know we're starting to get into the veteran wide receiver territory um, and i think that when we look at calvin ridley he has to he has now The next two guys to spoil it for the listeners are deandre hopkins and michael thomas so i know a lot of people would probably have them ahead of ridley but for me personally and it might be a slight bit of uh just bias that has (laughs) added in from over the years but i think the figures bear it out that there's a huge amount of talent and uh calvin ridley um and and i'm excited for it moving forward so i'm quite happy to take him at that spot
1: yeah i you can make a very convincing argument for the two superstars who follow him up there. But we look at his combination of volume and efficiency and a role in the offense here. You know, led the NFL in air yards. He was fifth in expected points, 11th in fantasy points above expectation. He had the 76 points in the fantasy playoffs, which was good for fourth overall, trailing only Kamara Diggs and Devontae Adams. You know, if you can get the, a guy who just trails those players, then you're thinking, OK, well, this is a pretty good value here at the beginning of the third round. This is, I think, kind of a crazy stat for you, Carl. In the Since the turn of the century, Ridley is 10th overall in total fantasy points at the wide receiver position through his first three seasons. That's ahead of names like Des Bryant and Calvin Johnson, right? So it's not to say that he's as good as those guys or is going to be what Calvin Johnson was going forward but he's been very, very good. Another kind of cool note, you can get out the Game Splits app and try and figure out, well, what was he like with Julio Jones? What was he like when he was out there by himself? And the answer is that he was awesome either way, right? Playing with Jones averaged 17.5 points per game, playing without him averages 20.5 points a game. And when we're looking at that, when he was playing with Jones, and this has been the case through the first three seasons, his 16-game pace was for 12 touchdowns right? His ability to score when teams are focusing on Julio has been very, very consistent for being a smaller receiver.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: When Julio's not out there, his 16-game pace is for over 1,700 receiving yards. And so maybe the touchdowns go down a little bit because he's drawing the attention, but he's out there putting up these monster individual receiving games. Now, you know, we wouldn't necessarily expect those stats to stay consistent, you know, if the 2021 season played out the same way or if he played a full season without Julio Jones. But one of the things that this is telling us is that he's not a product of Jones. He is someone who can play with him. He's someone who can play without him. I think that's encouraging when we look forward because he's probably going to be playing without Julio before he's off of your dynasty roster.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings. A four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Hey everybody, this is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz flagship podcast. Just stopping by to say thank you for listening to RotoViz Radio. We're offering our listeners a special 10% discount when they use the promo code RVRadio 2021 at checkout. Again, that's 10% off a one-year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2021. Thanks for listening and keep on tuning in.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's pretty fair. And it is interesting the way you, you split it out there. And you, for the listeners who are listening along, you can see this in the article. But the end split versus outer split with Julio Jones is pretty much gets more touchdowns when julio jones is on the, the field gets three less targets per game when julio jones is on the field but is getting that a uh, bump in touchdowns and then vice versa when Julio's not there there's a, a, a kind of deflation of those touchdowns but in terms of uh you know over three extra targets per game and then over 30 extra yards per game so either way balancing out both both ways uh so really interesting to see it split out that way and the stat that you mentioned sean uh, <laughs> Pretty insane uh, if you think about the the players that he is obviously competing with as every wide receiver uh, in the NFL for basically... Um, the, the last 21 years so pretty pretty incredible numbers there Um when we look in obviously Hopkins and Thomas we've talked about them at length we both like the Andre Hopkins um, obviously just a little bit older would be giving them a little bit of a knock in terms of the dynasty format question marks around the quarterback position as well for Michael Thomas and the injury from this season so the one thing looking at those kind of picks and you've paired them in with Devontae Adams as well over the last number of seasons from 2017 We've seen Thomas and uh, Hopkins stay fairly se- steady, you know, inside those top 20 picks. We've seen Adams take a jump up. And then this year we, we've seen them kind of fluctuate a little bit in who is at the, the peak of that top 20. But when we're looking at it, Michael Thomas is kind of maintaining that value. It might drop off a little bit over the offseason. But I think having the uh, injury probably this season has probably helped maintain his value versus the expectation that it was just such a, a down year for him. So... What's your thoughts on on those guys in terms of how they've shuffled in value? Do you think their current ADPs are, are pretty fair looking at how the, the seasons have, have gone in?
1: I do, and it is fun to go in there. You can use the the Dynasty ADP tool to find out where these guys have gone and started drafts. If you would simply take whoever the value is over the last three or four seasons, then you would be, that would have been very profitable for you. Of course, there's a hindsight element to that. We don't know that someone who drops down and looks like a value for a certain period of time is going to bounce back. Blair has a really cool wrong read talking about wide receiver bounce backs. You know what you're looking for what you're not who you should avoid things like missed games injuries aging inefficiency all kind of red flags for Thomas this year. Those are very specifically red flags for bouncing back. So we don't want to go in and say okay well he's just going to be the same guy but Thomas was on a historically good pace. He was kind of the best receiver in NFL history through the first four years of his career and it's hard to bet against that even if we know that part of it is Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints offense the question mark of both the injuries and the lack of Brees I think make his placement here fair and maybe even a little bit risky I'm not as comfortable with this pick as I am with some of the other ones on the other hand the reports that Jameis Winston could be the starter I would take those with a little bit of a grain of salt I think that it's probably fairly close to 50 50 one of the things that we've seen in best ball drafts is that as soon as that report came out which is the beat writer saying this is what he thinks should happen uh the the adp for those guys completely switched you know hill cratering winston screaming up the board you know you might want to take whoever is the value there in terms of your best ball selections but we have a lot of reason to believe that thomas can be good with either guy with winston i think that it's even more exciting because you can kind of look at it and say well you know is he going to be the same quarterback if the saints quote fix him you know we saw what happened when the lions tried to fix matthew stafford he wasn't the same guy the offense wasn't as good he didn't score as many fantasy points his receivers didn't score as many fantasy points but with winston you can kind of squint and think to yourself well remember what happened with mike evans and chris godwin when winston was chucking out the passes maybe we even have thomas you know with another 10 percent over what we've seen in the past this kind of crazy upside scenario is there on the other hand he is in that kind of same situation that we had with calvin ridley where he entered the nfl at a pretty advanced age so even though he hasn't played for as many seasons as some of the guys who are actually a little bit younger than him he's already kind of up in that age where he's you know less than a year younger than Devonte Adams and Deandre Hopkins so you might just prefer to if you're going to go after a star wide receiver who's in not even necessarily in the tail end of the peak right but he's in that area where if you draft him in a startup we talk about all the time you want to be able to draft someone play them for two or three years and get the value out of them and then still trade them at peak value when you're looking at Adams when you're looking at Hopkins when you're looking at Thomas can you play them for a couple of years and then still trade them when they're 30, 31 for as much as you would like to get back? Perhaps, perhaps not. If Julio Jones, people are, are so connected to the last thing that they have seen and the last thing that we've seen from some of these stars. If Julio Jones comes back from the hamstring injury he had last season and the Falcons go crazy, Julio puts up a couple more huge seasons in his 30s, then it'll be a lot easier to trade guys like Adams and Hopkins and Thomas a couple of years from now because people will be looking at those guys and saying, well, they'll do the same thing. And so, you know, if you're buying these players in a startup, you're you're also sort of rooting for Julio Jones, even if he's not on your team. But those are some of the risk rewards here. I think when you're talking about the third round, and again, it's a third round where quarterbacks have pushed guys down to that because the first round was quarterback heavy. But when you're in the third round, you can take some risk or you can take one guy maybe, to be the veteran anchor for your team and then make sure you draft the rest of the guys fairly young. The other thing you can do is you can simply go veteran heavy and say this is going to be a team where I'm actually going to win the first two or three seasons and then through the strength of my picks, I'm going to have not early picks in the rookie draft. But one of the things that we've talked about is that those late picks in rookie drafts can actually be pretty valuable. So we don't want to just dismiss out of hand the idea of taking some of these veterans even though that's not our main tactical approach now with that in mind let's jump forward a little bit we have dj moore as the 305 is sam's pick i pick tj hawkinson at the 306 that's maybe a little bit more of an iffy pick now that the trade is made sam gets chase claypool at the 307 and then with the 308 i take travis kelsey He's another example of taking one of these veterans early. But with Kelsey, we're looking at someone who in tight end premium formats is a redraft consideration, I think as early as number two, right? Once Christian McCaffrey is gone, then I think you can look at Kelsey. Now, you may still prefer Cook. You may still prefer Kamara. Definitely not arguing against that. But the fact that Kelsey could be a top five pick in redraft tells you maybe we should just go for it in year one. What, what are your thoughts about going for it in year one with someone like Kelsey who is almost like having a full extra starter on your team when you have a tight end scoring this
2: many points? Well, I'm going to get into the answer and then I'm going to turn it back <laughs> on you in a second. But when it gets into it, I think it is that decision about like you mentioned with uh, the veteran wide receivers is like, do we go for it this year? Um, you know, the problem is going to be that if you get Kelsey this year and this is probably thinking of it in a more negative light but if you draft him in this startup and then obviously you go into a situation where maybe he picks up an injury in week two week three misses number of games misses the majority of the season you're heading and then to his age 33 season and you're gonna you know have a depreciated asset on your hands whereas if that's a guy like even the likes of TJ Hawkinson who you mentioned um, at that earlier spot um, of 306 he even with injuries is still going to have that well he's a young tight end he's emerging he's going to develop and you know we're going to see his career progress to a level of where travis kelsey is at the moment Um, and i think that's the biggest risk it's the biggest risk as well when you're taking those veteran uh, running backs because we see their value fall off as well and i don't think kelsey's value will fall off the same way as a running back but when you consider his age and how much older he is than some of these wide receivers that we're drafting like some of them are going to have almost a 10-year age gap between between Kelsey and, and that. And I know we're not looking into 10-year windows when it comes to drafting your dynasty roster, but that's a huge swing. So we're looking at Kelsey. If we get to, you know, solid production up to age 35, I think we're looking at, like, at a maximum. Um, and I know we're seeing players play longer. I know we just seen Tom Brady win the Super Bowl. But I think that, like, there's a lot of question marks around the, the age that these players can play to in terms of a production in the NFL particularly we're looking at a fantasy asset so I would have a little bit of concern at that spot even though we're looking at you know trying to win now you mentioned a moment ago about having that trade value in a year or two years it's gonna be very hard to get you know a third round value of a startup um so let's just say a, a first round pick um for a future when you get to you know one year two years down the line with Travis Kelsey so I think he's a person that you're you are drafting now and probably uh having him on that roster until he hangs up his cleats you know if we're looking at it that way the way I'll, I'll let you give your opinion on it as well sean but i was interested when you took hawkinson at the 306 then at that 308 two spots later we have travis kelsey then we have Darren waller 309 and a 310 we have mark Andrews, so it's a very very tight end heavy run with four picks going in that height of a range in the the third round do you think like you know we talk a lot about the elite tight end here do you think we're, we're clear here that like this is the point where you need to be taking that tight end to, to get the to get the value you know to have that high end upside um what's your thoughts on why the the run happened there um at the tight end position
1: well the, the run happens in part because i took all of these tight ends and so one of the things that we see from this exercise there's a lot to be gained from it in terms of trying to figure out how you would build multiple teams you do also want to approach it with a little bit of a skeptical eye and say, well, if Sean's not taking all these tight ends, do you know, do we have the tight end run here? But we'll talk about that in the wrap up of what you're really looking at through these first three rounds in just a second. Colin, I wanted to ask you about Mark Andrews. One of the things that I think is interesting here is that you go into 2020 and he is the young up and coming thing. A lot of buzz, certainly a few skeptics saying, especially in tight end premium maybe he's not the guy that you want because he's more of a big play threat at tight end in this baltimore ravens offense that just doesn't throw the ball hardly at all but even with that even with that very legitimate consideration someone who was very trendy going into 2020 and then in very many ways had basically the same season in 2020 and now when we're looking at him for 2021, it, that buzz is no longer there, right? He's falling in these best ball leagues. He's not going to have the same trade value for you in Dynasty. emphasize this a little bit more. He drops from 13.9 points per game to 12.2, but his expected points per game stay exactly the same. His target share actually ticks up just a little bit. He scored 10 touchdowns in 2019, still got 7 In 2020 and we talked a lot about lamar jackson and how unless you somehow think that that bad portion was what he is now you know if if you're willing to discount the 2019 season if you're willing to discount the really the last month or so of the 2020 season where he bounced back nicely then you want to buy right it's it's only if you think that that bad stretch was him Now, granted, he's going to have some problems throwing and the Ravens are going to be a run heavy team. But unless you think that that one unique stretch for Lamar Jackson represents who he is as an NFL player, then you need to be buying any sorts of discounts that you're getting with him. Mark Andrews follows off of that in the exact same way where these guys are going to be hitched together. Andrews is going to be the main guy for him in the passing game. To me, This suggests that this could be your last buying opportunity for, you know, five, six, if he ages like a few of the other elite tight ends, you know, seven, eight years. Pulling up the road of his screener, we have a lot of cool articles doing this sort of similarity, using this limp similarity feature. Often we're looking at rookies and how they're going to perform as second year players, but you can do it for a variety of different types of players. When we do that for Mark Andrews and look at his first three seasons, the names that come up are Jimmy Graham, Antonio Gates, Jason Witten, Chris Cooley, Jordan Reed, Heath Miller. Now, you've got some guys who disappointed like Cooley and Miller or just were okay, right? You have someone like a Jordan Reed who got hurt and wasn't the same player. But Jimmy Graham and Antonio Gates, they were each the tight end one in year four. So the year immediately following the time period we're looking at. Jason Witten, he had multiple tight end one finishes in his future. Even if we say that Andrews is sort of halfway in between kind of where he is now and what those guys became, again, I think that this suggests that this may be your one buying opportunity. Should owners be buying Andrews? Or is the fact that the Ravens, it's not just that they're run heavy, they are so far below the entire rest of the nfl and you say look that's not sustainable they're going to pass a little bit more as jackson develops they're going to pass a little bit more as they add some receiving talent even though their gm insists that you know they don't really care about that but with lamar jackson turning a lot of the past plays into runs with the scrambles you know you're, you're still limited in terms of what the best case scenario is for volume here with andrews though being the guy who's the 24 25 percent target guy for the ravens how do you balance those issues and would you be buying
2: the question really for me is like like and you mentioned it here is you know Lamar Jackson in terms of his accuracy for 2020 if he's gonna be bad Andrews is likely gonna be bad if the offense gonna be run heavy it's not gonna be good for Andrews there's a lot of things that are pointing us in the this isn't good for Mark Andrews category but if we look at you know you know you mentioned the road of screener and the players that are compared to him uh, if we look at what he did over the last two seasons with 17 touchdowns um, and with the target shares obviously a caveat on the target shares is there's less targets in that offense so even a high target share probably isn't the equivalent of what it's going to be in another offense with you know you could have a lower target share but a higher volume but i think all things considered there's still a huge amount of upside there i think that a conversation is to be had a Lamar Jackson and his accuracy and how the offense struggled in 2020 there was a huge amount of elements of it that struggled you know true kind of that midpoint of the season and then we've seen things start to pick up as they went on a little bit of a run before the playoffs so it depends which side of the coin you're on is the when they were playing good is that where we're looking at uh, as what we're seeing in 2021 or is it where they struggle like the team had a lot of different things throughout the season you know Jackson was a bit banged up there was a couple of questionable things with schedules and things with COVID and there was a couple of different things like Mark Andrews missed time as well so lots of things to to go into from that side but I think that something that's probably working against Mark Andrews is the success that he's had as a young tight end you know I've talked on the show and I know you say having the success early obviously is going to lead to more success in the long run but he has been successful in those early years of his career and the stage now where if he had just had a okay year one an okay year two an okay year three and we thought then oh yeah he's done all this so far in his career here's where the jump is going to happen uh we're gonna and, and that would be the trajectory of us pushing him up the rankings whereas we've had him so high that now people are taking him back down the rankings i still think there's a huge amount of upside there i think the group that he's going in in this particular draft i think it's a fair group i think that you know he has now fallen behind darn waller he's obviously Uh, getting closer to kelsey but that's more kelsey coming down a little bit and hawkinson probably has jumped him i I could like i I don't think it's a big stretch to think that mark andrews is uh the number one out of those four guys when it comes to this time next year so i i'm still buying and like you said if if the leap happens this is the last chance to jump aboard that uh (laughs) that train to to get him on your roster um I, I think there's still a lot of upside. I, I was very, very disappointed in how the season went, but there's a lot of players who I'm disappointed in how their season went. Uh, somebody else who's on this list uh, and DJ Moore, um, who obviously didn't have the season we were hoping for, but the 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 expectation of a you know successful run here in his NFL career is still much there so I feel I feel kind of similar about uh, Mark Andrews moving forward two other players Sean to to wrap things up is Terry McLaurin at 311 and J.K. Dobbins at 312 I've said this many times in the podcast J.K. Dobbins for me was always a 2021 play so we're in 2021 now so I have to say that I'm happy with this pick Uh, the other one is Terry McLaurin who's always been somebody I've really liked and uh, obviously if we could just get a really nice quarterback pick in there in, in Washington uh, to get him the ball, I think we would we'd be looking at a real superstar uh, in terms of his ability. So I really like all the players basically that have gone in this uh, in this third round range. It's a it's a very nice round. I think you can be pretty happy with whoever you pick up. But any final thoughts before we wrap up on, on those two guys?
1: Yeah, Dobbins here. My pick at three twelve. He was probably the second best talent in last year's running back class behind Jonathan Taylor. Cam Akers and DeAndre Swift are definitely going to uh, factor into that discussion. They're going to make their own argument. He ranked third in terms of total running back rushing fantasy points over expect- expectation as a rookie. So, as a rookie, right, he trailed only Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara. He beat elite backs like Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, and did it on fewer touches. I think when you look about this, this is probably still a little bit of an overdraft. The next couple of picks within the next three selections, we had Cam Akers and Antonio Gibson. Akers probably should go right there before Dobbins. Gibson is going to make his argument again in 2021. Before the injury, we had Gibson as someone who could be a potential first round pick in 2021. He's now a great value where he's going in best ball drafts. Check out our best ball ADP to see that. Blair and I already have him on a couple of teams. If you have an interest in where these running backs are going, you have a debate that you would like to make or a, an argument that you would like to get in here with us. Uh, send us some notes on whether you think Dobbins is a remotely defensible pick here or if you think that we should have definitely gone for Ezekiel Elliott, Derek Henry, taken those veterans who are more sure things for production next season. We didn't see those guys go off the board in round three, so they remain on the board in round four. That, I think, the controversial A development in round three, and then, Colin, we need to finish here with this team construction through three rounds dynamic, right? So quickly, team two drafted out of the two spot is Kyler Murray, Brandon Ayuk, Calvin Ridley. Team four is Lamar Jackson, T. Higgins, Michael Thomas. Team six is Christian McCaffrey, C. D. Lamb, T. J. Hawkinson. Team eight, Dak Prescott, Stephon Diggs, Travis Kelsey. Team 10, Justin Herbert, Justin Jefferson, Mark Andrews. And Team 12, Joe Burrow, Jonathan Taylor, and J.K. Dobbins. So five of the six teams selected a QB foundation piece in round one. The oldest passer from that group is 27. And so those guys score a lot of points, but they're also going to be around for you. You need that longevity as you put together your round one pick. Five of the six teams selected a wide receiver foundation piece in round two those receivers will be entering their second year after putting up historically rare numbers as rookies and then three of the teams selected tight ends in round three in an attempt to lock down fantasy's most frustrating position again the thing i always like to point out here is that if you have an elite tight end it's almost like you have an extra starter so especially in leagues that maybe you don't have a ton of of starting spots if you have a league with five six flexes then you can overcome the tight end position. It waters it down a little bit. You can beat it with depth. If you don't have that, if you have a little bit thinner starting lineup, you really want to make sure that you get those tight ends in there. And then the things that we're seeing here with running backs, with their shorter careers, their high seasonal bust rates, which again, this is a a double problem for fantasy owners, right? It's not just that you lose that upcoming season, which the, the next season, the season you're playing for, uh, right away is the one that's going to have the most emotional uh, attachment for you it's the one that you can see and feel and it's going to to be you know where people are bragging about whether or not they're the champions of your dynasty league but it's also the one where it's going to determine what those guys values are for the following season so if a guy gets hurt it not only hurts your chances of winning next year's title but it eviscerates their trade values so you lose twice And that's why running backs, even though having a good one is important to winning your title, you want to be very aware of price, right? With running backs, it always comes back to price. It doesn't come back to, oh, we hate running backs. You shouldn't have running backs. They're no good. They're no fun. Those things are not true. They're fun. They score points. You need them. But we want to be aware of price, and that's why the exceptions that we've made here are for unique players like Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, the first two guys, and that's why I mentioned that J.K. Dobbins. Without those receptions, you know that's maybe the iffy pick there. Maybe Cam Akers is the guy that you should have. So, column through three rounds. That's how I recommend starting your super flex. Make sure you have those foundation pieces. 2021 again is going to be very interesting in terms of quarterbacks you may need to start drafting those second quarterbacks very very early as well and just have that safety in place because if you get locked out on your qb2 that's very very difficult to win regardless of what you do with the rest of your roster
2: yeah, and the interesting one is Team Six with Christian McCaffrey yet to have a quarterback, so can get very dicey if you're, uh, you know, waiting then to get a QB one at that QB two range, and then where does your QB two come from? So it's gonna be interesting uh to look through rosters all off season long. I always like to look at some of the startups that are going on and seeing how things shake out. Team two for me uh, is probably the winner, and Team Ten would be the other one that I'd be diving in towards, and that's. Kyler Murray, Brandt Ayuk and Calvin Ridley versus Justin Herbert, Justin Jefferson, and Mark Andrews. I think very interesting starts there. Probably the two ways that I would much would more prefer uh, the team twelve: Joe Burrow, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, looking very young, looking very good. Um, it's just gonna be interesting. Then if you were thinking about where those uh, wide receivers are going to come from, but lots of good players left uh, through those three rounds makes it exciting to think about drafting because. It just shows that there is, you know, some top end exciting talent even through those three rounds. And you start getting into round four, round five, and they're still going to be there. But you obviously get diving into those round 10, 11, 12, 13, see what's left over for you. So going to be going to be an interesting offseason as we continue to talk through some of these processes. Sean and myself have mentioned in the last couple of shows, you do have the opportunity to win yourself one of the the biz Rookie Draft Guides up on the website all you have to do is leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app we'll be picking from one of those over the the next week and we'll be announcing the winner on next week's show as i've mentioned previously uh we do like on thursday's show sometimes to drop in some uh you know suggestions from the listeners some topics some things that you've uh, watched or reviewed that you'd like to let us know about uh, on today's show we just had so much to go through we we went straight through it and dived into it but uh, we have enjoyed reading through some of those five-star reviews over the last week so if you have any suggestions for upcoming shows send them my way at Overtime Ireland on twitter or road of his radio at gmail.com drop us that five-star review and uh, another exciting piece of news on Road of Biz Radio this week is uh, Curtis Patrick is, uh, has told me behind the scenes he's getting ready to start recording some new dynasty command center so you don't want to miss those when they come out over over the next week or two weeks i don't want to put too much pressure on curtis but i know they'll be they'll be awesome uh, he's upgraded a lot of his setup so should be should be some great shows coming our way from curtis and the dynasty command center uh, and of course the rookie guide has been a phenomenal success as well so until we're back with another two shows next week of course my name's is kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland my co-host as always is sean siegel check out sean's great work up on rotomis.com and until then have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rotovis Radio. Please rate and review the Rotovis Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovisradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotovis Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotovis with a discount through the Rotovis Radio homepage, rotovis.com
0: forward slash podcast. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.